0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, it's really it really is good to be here. Uh, I don't know how many times we've been, but we always enjoy being a pa- around Pastor Mike and uh, the great uh, team, Carrie, and, and the team here. It's uh, great. How many of you can still hear the accent thing going on? I just, yeah? I just, we just got back from England a few weeks ago, so I had my accent refurbishment surgery <laughs> while I was there, which makes me completely incomprehensible when I go through a drive-through, but that's just a byproduct, really. And you see that I'm, um, I'm wearing my Oklahoma-purchased cowboy boots. <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby. James Bond doesn't wear these things, I'm telling you. I especially like to wear these with shorts. It's very attractive. So, uh, yeah, get that image out of your mind right away. So, anyway, great to be here. And if I may say so, um, very poignant to be here as well. Uh, last time that uh, Kay and I ministered uh, here, uh, we went back uh, that evening. To uh, Brother Dow and Cheryl's home. And you know, uh, with Lisa, Layla, Lily, the family, we, we're together. And uh, we traveled all over the world. And there are some people who just just hanging out with them for an hour or two, they make an indelible impression upon you. Do you know what I'm saying here? Uh, there are some people who say, Y'all come back now. Yeah. That's pretty good. I've been practicing that all morning. They say, Y'all come back now, but they just don't give you their address. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And Brother Dow, that night when we were together, uh, he came out to the car and lingered with us a little while before we left. And uh, he said, love you, love you. And uh, we didn't know that the very next day he would be in the presence of Jesus where I think he's having a fine old time right now. But I just wanted to take this moment together with you to honor and salute the memory of a beautiful person who made a great impression upon our lives in such a short time. Thank God. God bless you. And the only other thing I've just got to say, Cheryl, is uh, I'm wrestling with envy right now because your hair, I want that hair. <laughs> God gave you the hair he intended for me, so <laughs> God bless you. Um, I write books. Pastor Mike uh, mentioned that, and I, I said this every time I've been here. I don't want to overstate the value of my books. That would be crass and rude and and wholly inappropriate. but it's God's will you buy them. <laughs> so kidding, but... Uh, i uh, written a few books since I've, I've been here. Some years ago, um, John Ortberg wrote a beautiful book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. Great book about faith. And, and that's true, and this is not a rebuttal of that great book. I, I love Ortberg's uh, book. But I've written this book. It's called If You Want to Walk on Water, Consider Staying in the Boat. <laughs> this is typical of you, Lucas. Well, Peter got out the boat. The other guys didn't. The other guys didn't. And um, I think we, I'm going to talk about this a little later, but we need to know our limitations as well as stepping out as well. So uh, I've been in ministry now for, for about 400 years or so, and uh, Henry VIII was kicking around when I got started. And uh, there's some life lessons in there that I'd love to share with you. Uh, this book is called It's a Dog's Life. I had this last time. It's short, make you laugh, make you cry, make you think pieces. Um, I love to see Christians how many how many believe that fun is okay all right slight hesitation there which is slightly worrying but um, but uh, it's a dog's life and uh, this is not very British to say this but I got I was in my study a couple of weeks ago and I got a text from England and they said we're at the Christian Book Awards ceremony they have that every year and they said you've been nominated Uh, for this book. And I said, I went, shot one back, and I said, who are the other nominees? And they said, was it John Ortberg and Max Licato? So I thought, well, goodbye to that, you know. (laughs) And then I got another text saying, you won. So, uh, no, don't clap, don't clap, don't clap, don't, because I'm British. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I I got the the million dollar check, which is, (laughs) just kidding. I get an ugly plastic statue that I'll display nowhere. So uh, (laughs) anyway, that's available. And then, will your prodigal come home? There's nothing more heartbreaking than to see someone you love drift away from Jesus or march away. Uh, Those are out. There's a bunch of books. And there's a special deal if you buy any three. And we can take checks, credit cards, cash, chickens, anything. Those are for you. I've been listening in over the last few weeks. I always do when I come to a church. I want to hear what's going on. Pastor, in these great two messages on control freaks, the things that control us, what should control us, the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to share a a new message. I I want to talk about letting God get into your soul. I want to talk about soul rest. And then tonight I want to ask you to come back uh, tonight. Uh, Is it Sunday night football? Is that happening how many of you like sunday night football raise your hand come on you can do that raise your hand how many of you never raise your hand whatever the question is <laughs> if you never come on sunday night can i just ask you to break the habit of a lifetime heaven will stand amazed <laughs> tonight i want to talk uh, about letting god get under your skin when you're angry with god when you're disappointed I want to talk about that. So, all right, let, let God get to your soul. Soul rest, Matthew 11:28. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Allow me to share Eugene Peterson's rendition of this in the message he says this abruptly jesus broke into prayer thank you father lord of heaven and earth you've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people yes father that's the way you like to work jesus resumed talking to the people but now tenderly the father has given me all things all these things to do and say this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Uh, One of my closest friends, uh, maybe my best friend apart from my wife, he is uh, Dr. Chris Edwardson. He lives in Oregon together with his wife Jeannie. They're close friends and he's also my medical doctor, which frankly is a bit awkward because every year I have to go uh, for my annual physical and and I I just don't like getting naked for my friends. So uh, it's a a bit awkward and uh, sadly I have to tell you that he does not exercise professional courtesy when he is doing my physicals, so there are, there are no comments of appreciation for this stunning physique <laughs> that stands before you. Can I hear an amen? amen. That wasn't very loud, quite frankly. But he's kind of, you know, like he jokes around, and it's embarrassing, so I just want to get in there, get it done, and get out. Well, I was, uh, a few years ago, I was there, and he said, before you leave, you have to have an x-ray. He said, head down the hallway, turn left. There's a room with a very welcoming radiation sign on the door. And he said, uh, just uh, go in there, have an x-ray. So I'm like, I just want to get out of here. This is embarrassing. So I wander down the hallway. I go in the room. There's an x-ray machine. There's a couch. There's a lead apron on the couch. And there's a radiographer lady standing there. And I'm kind of flustered and just want to get out. So I'm not really listening. And I I, I said... uh, I said, what's the lead apron? It weighs about 35 pounds. I said, what's the lead apron for? Now let me warn you that her response included a medical biological term not normally heard in church on Sunday mornings. So brace yourself, okay, get ready. But um, I'm just telling you what happened. It's a real life situation. So I said, what is the lead apron for? And she said, it is... Did I do that or did they? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think I just got blooped out there or whatever. So so I said, what's the lead apron for? And she said, it is for the protection of the gonads. (laughs) I told you, you don't normally hear that on church on Sunday. It's probably the first time in your life you've ever heard that. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking what are those (laughs) and and I just couldn't think and I'm like gonads gonads is is that like a North American Indian tribe you know like oh we are the gonads so I'm trying to figure that out and I'm not really listening to her and then and then uh, I I, I said what do I do and I thought she said put that round your neck (laughs) but But those with the basic knowledge of physiology will understand that it wasn't, it was supposed to be around my, not my neck. So she pops out for a cup of coffee and I pick up 35 pounds of lead and I haul these tapes around my neck and I tie me the biggest bow you ever did see. And I'm standing there hunched over sweating and I begin to pray that the woman will just come back. I begin to pray that our Lord Jesus will come back. I'm like, gosh. And she, about three hours later, or maybe ten minutes, she walked into the room and she took one look at me, sweating, hunched over, 35-pound of lead. And she took one look at me and she just went, No. No. I've been in ministry a lot of times, a long time and I've discovered a lot of Christians and they're not restful people. They're agitated. They are constantly under bombardment with shoulds and musts and coulds and oughts. They're not restful. Theirs is the the facial expression of the furrowed brow. And as I look at this passage, I feel like Jesus comes among us and he says... No. When he shares this teaching, he kind of, as he talks about yokes, yokes, come unto me and take my yoke, he's kind of using PowerPoint before PowerPoint. Because the moment he says that, three images would have jumped into the minds of his audience. The yoke, the zygos, was, was a, a wooden construction where two oxen could be yoked together um, to plow a field and so uh, the moment Jesus says yoke people think oxen work Uh, the yoke was also a symbol of oppression in the history of Israel so they knew about Nebuchadnezzar's yoke the book of Lamentations talks about the yoke and so what we've got here is a picture immediately of work of oppression and then the third application was that the yoke was the body of teaching that a rabbi would have and so uh, if I came to you and I said rabbi can I be your disciple the rabbi would say yes take my yoke upon you the yoke was the body of teaching and uh, and the rabbis especially the Pharisees had all kinds of crazy rules and regulations they were burdensome they, they, had, a, they had rules about whether you could pray while you were up a tree I didn't make that up that's not Monty Python, it's true they, they had rules about whether you could divorce your wife for burning a meal don't say amen sir, I beg you they had a rule about if you were baking bread while naked and you wanted to offer the bread as an offering was it unclean? That one's been worrying me for quite a while I've got to tell you <laughs> so here's the picture Jesus says come to me and take my yoke and they immediately think work oppression rules and then he lobs a stun grenade into the crowd and says I'll give you rest what? rest 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 Not the yoke of the Pharisees, the halakha, the body of their teaching. Rest. And it's obvious that he offers this rest very broadly. This is not just for the super spiritual people who have their hands raised even during the announcements. It's for everybody. But it's not easy. You see, the rest of Jesus is not about the absence of doing anything. Or stopping. It's very intentional, but it takes a challenge here. You see, Jesus says, Come, take my yoke, let me teach you. Those are all intentional invitations. But it's difficult to change, isn't it? isn't it? Anyone remember Popeye the sailor man? Do you remember Popeye? Yes. I love Popeye. I mean, you know, he he worked out and he liked that olive oil lady. I never understood that attraction, you know, like That girl needed a cheeseburger, didn't she? (laughs) But Popeye used to sing this song, I am what I am, and that's all I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. And the danger is, my brothers and sisters, that we can can surrender to sameness. And we just do life the way we do life because that's the way we do life. (laughs) Eugene Peterson says the kingdom of self is heavily defended territory. And there's intentionality here. Hebrews 4, let us therefore, different context, but let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So what can we learn from this passage about soul rest as we share this next four or five hours together? (laughs) Just kidding. How many of you are understanding most of the accent? Raise your hand. That's good. I won't ask you how many of you are not because you won't understand the question, will you? <laughs> Number one. Number one. First of all, ask for a greater vision of the real Jesus. Ask for a greater vision of the real Jesus. I want you to notice something from the text. The moment Jesus gives the invitation to come, he gives a definition of his character. Come to me. And then he says, I am meek and lowly of heart. He is saying, come to me because I'm like this. He is not the, he's not the policeman who's mad with us because we've exceeded the speed limit. He's not the angry school teacher. He says, come because I'm like this. I'm meek and lowly of heart. I, I wonder what your Jesus is like. When I was growing up in the East End of London, we had a problem with ants. Ants. A-N-T-S. Ants. Not ants. Ants. We had issues with ants too, but that's not important right now. <laughs> My mum used to put ant powder down, but the ants liked it. You could hear them giving thanks when the powder went down. They're like... And the ants would like the powder. So I would sit on the back step with a hammer and I'd have a conversation with the ant. You National Geographic lovers might be fascinated by this. I would say to the ant, would you like to go to heaven? And you would be fascinated to know there was always silence and so I would propose a secondary question, would you like to go to heaven now? <laughs> and when I first became a Christian I thought God was like that. <sighs> just waiting, the God, of your, the God of the getcha, as Nancy Mayers, the Catholic writer, describes it. What's your Jesus like? You guys have just entered into the best club in the world in the last 12 weeks because you are now grandparents it's fabulous little Riley congratulations when our first grandson Stanley was born I said to my son-in-law Ben hey Ben give him Jesus but give him the right Jesus you say how can that be because Jesus is Jesus not so you see your and my impression of who Jesus is is corrupted it is not a pure revelation it is shaped by sermons and songs and parenting and church your Jesus is shaped by those experiences I've been tuning in to the internet I want to just say this, I've been listening to Pastor Mike here and I've got no reason for for saying this Um, but you're blessed with this guy you're blessed, would you agree? I mean you know, I've listened to the preaching. It's thoughtful, challenging, biblical, vulnerable. There's, there's warmth there. Let me, let me illustrate this. If your preacher was this, hey everybody, let me just tell you, this is what you've got to do right now. If every week was turn or burn, yeah. your Jesus would start to take on that tone because your impression of him is shaped by those influences. So what's your Jesus like? And why not pray afresh that Jesus gives you a fresh revelation of who he is? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, martyred by the Nazis, said the church's primary task is to wash the face of Jesus. Because throughout history too many people have done things in his name. I know, I'm from Britain, we've traveled the world and made everyone mad we enslaved people in the name of Jesus and and you know all about it you've got your history there's been racism in the name of Jesus and the crusades in the name of Jesus and the Protestants executed the Catholics in Tudor Britain and the Catholics executed the Protestants and they all did it in the name of Jesus sorry I'm getting like one of those shouty guys again (laughs) why not pray for a fresh revelation John the Apostle when he was about 90 years of age, he knew more about Jesus than any man on earth. He was one of the first to be chosen, the writer of the fourth gospel, the witness to the miracles. He's part of the inner circle of three. He's the only one of the twelve with the cross. He's entrusted with the care of Jesus' mother. He sees Jesus in transfiguration, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. He is close to Jesus. He rests his head on his breast at the Last Supper. But Jesus isn't done with John yet. And when John is about 90, he has a revelation and he falls at the feet of Jesus as one dead. Because even at that stage of his life, there was more. Let's pray, Jesus. Show us more of yourself. Maybe that will help us rest. Secondly, ask for a greater experience of God's Father heart. Ask for a greater experience of God's Father heart. I love this, the way Peterson puts it, this unique father-son operation. Years ago, I was preaching at a youth event, and that's how many years ago it was. I I do a lot of preaching. Every week at Timberline, I preach the same message four times, same outline, same points, same spontaneous (laughs) humour. I preach a lot. I've been a lot of. I've been in hundreds of churches. I I said to Kay, you know, I I preach so much, I get sick of the sound of my own voice. She said, I understand completely how you feel. (laughs) I know when people say to me what's the most powerful service you were ever in I know exactly it happened about 30 years ago I was preaching at a youth event about a thousand young people I was asked to speak on the subject of the Holy Spirit and on my way to the service God spoke to me and he said tonight I'm going to teach you a lesson you'll never ever forget you'll never forget this My son, Richard, he's 35 now. He was two then. He was at the side of the stage and on the platform and he wandered out to me as planned and I picked him up and I held him in my arms and I I talked about a father's love and how he's safe and we're safe. And that was supposed to be it. The musicians were quietly playing. It was kind of nice, you know. And He'd toddle back to Kay and I'd preach but... I'm just about to put him down. And he opened his arms wide and I thought, he's going to punch me. This is going to ruin the beautiful illustration. (laughs) But he threw his arms around my neck and buried his face in my shoulder. And at that moment, it was like a thunderclap hit the congregation. About 20, 25 people who were just standing there just fell backwards to the ground and no one pushed them. You know what I'm saying? They just fell. Immediately people started screaming because there was demonic activity that was reacting to the presence of the Spirit. And I'm trying to preach and I've got my my son in my arms and then people started coming to the front and I'm like, what are they doing? I didn't ask them to come out. That's really rude. (laughs) And I thought maybe they're they're not repenting. 10, 15 people came and stood because at that moment they'd been physically healed. And they're like, whoa! And I'm trying to preach and I'm thinking, this is really rude that these people got healed before the end of the message. I mean... (laughs) And when they sent me the honorarium, they said, you better give it to your son because he did more that night than you did. I just realized I never paid him. (laughs) The alphabet of Christianity... Begins with F for Father. Ask for a greater experience of God's Father heart. Thirdly, thirdly, trust and receive. I've added that in. Trust and receive like a child again. Trust and receive like a child. In the NIV, Jesus talks to the Father about these hidden things that are revealed to little children. Jesus doesn't want us to be childish. But he wants us to be childlike. And a lot of that is about the ability to receive. Our grandsons, sorry, I've got grandsons on my mind, grandchildren on my mind today. When we go back to England, we spoil them. How many grandparents here would agree that is our vocation? Spoil them, hand them back. So we take them clothes, and they're not fascinated by that, and we take them candy, and they're obsessed with that. But when we hand... Alex, who's six, and Stanley, who's nine. When we, when we give them a gift, they, uh, Alex doesn't say, Grandad, we're not worthy. We haven't cleaned our rooms since birth. <laughs> no, they just... They just receive. You try that with an adult. You try giving an adult a gift when it's not their birthday or Christmas. Oh, particularly if they're British, we're the worst. Oh, No. I feel jolly awful <laughs> I didn't get you anything I don't know what to say <sighs> see we're not used to free gifts there's no such thing as a free lunch that's what we say thank God that's not true with Jesus yesterday on the way back uh, Matt and Mary and Callie met us at the airport and we stopped off in uh, Chick- Chickasha did I say that right? Yeah. that place, Chicochet. Chickasha. I like saying that. I'm going to say that to British friends for absolutely no reason. Just Chickasha. (laughs) And uh, I realized that my accent was really strong because we we went I said, can we have something healthy? And we went to the restaurant and then I ordered something unhealthy. (laughs) And at the end of the meal, you know when you're really full up and they, you know, have you got any room for pie? Honey, I haven't got any room to breathe. And I just wanted to, you know, just be a little warm and witty with the server. So uh, she, she said, anything else I can get you. And I said, how about a coupon for the emergency room? <laughs> but because of my accent, she didn't hear me. So she went, no, sir, no, we don't have coupons here. And I'm like, eh, forget it, you know, and it wasn't funny anyway. <laughs> but here's how some of us live no coupons for me Lord no free gift of grace for me you'll never rest unless you allow Jesus to wash your feet there's only one way to hang around with Jesus let him wash your feet Peter said, no, never. And Jesus said, if I don't, you'll have no part with me. That's the deal. We're dirty. He washes. Get over it. (laughs) Number four. Number four, don't make waves, but ride the waves that God makes i want to live in rest? Don't make waves, but ride the waves that God makes. Here's a statement some people are not going to like, maybe. You can't do anything. Some people tell you, you can do anything you, you, you dream. In fact, it was Disney. Apparently it was an employee who said, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's wrong. That's right. Sorry, it's just wrong. Yeah. Napoleon Hill in the Depression era said this. Sounds so impressive. It's wrong, Sorry. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. No! High school kids are constantly being told that they can do anything. It's a lie. It sets them up for disappointment. And I can hear someone saying, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, look at the entirety of that statement you just made. It isn't, I can do anything. I can do all things Through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can do that which God calls me to. There's some things I can't do. I cannot play the bassoon, speak Cantonese, or give birth to twins. I've realized my limitations in those areas. I used to lead worship. A friend of mine came to me and he said, Jeff, the body of Christ would sigh a collective sigh of relief if you would hang up your guitar forever. (laughs) And I did, and I thank God know what we can't do in literature Macbeth was a successful military commander but became an incompetent king in history Socrates was an incomparable teacher but he became a defense attorney and he was useless know what you can't do because churches are littered with people doing stuff that they really shouldn't do it's also littered with people who should be doing stuff who aren't doing anything just saying I'm sounding a little Oklahoman here. Just saying. (laughs) You know that person who stands up and says, God gave me this song last night. 29 excruciating verses. And you listen to this appalling time of shrieking. And you think, if God gave you that, he probably didn't want it, did he? Did I say that? <laughs> know what you can't do, but hold on, don't stop there. But also know that God might want to stretch you within your sphere. I, 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 I got saved in a Pentecostal church, and I, 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 I've been around it all. And you had a series on the gifts of the Spirit recently. I believe that God speaks today through the gifts of the Spirit. You can say an amen if you want. Amen. But I've also seen some silly stuff. I've been to services where people had words that weren't really, if you think, if that's God, it's certainly not that intelligent. And I've been to services where I, got, I went to the front and I got prayed for and I, I f- people were falling over, but it wasn't the power of God. They were pushed. Is it all right to say that? Is that okay? They were pushed and I don't want to go, hold on, stop pushing people. I mean, I developed a technique for the... I I call it the courtesy drop. Guy starts to push me. I think I can either slap him or just take a dive. So, pathway of least resistance is commendable. So, I check there's a catcher. Take a dive. I get a nap. He gets a result. Win-win, baby. don't, Don't go... Don't do that horsey thing. (laughs) You mocking the Holy Spirit. No, I'm I'm mocking the foolishness of humans who mess with the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm doing. So I've become a little wary of people who say God told me. And we're all pendulums. We're all in reaction to something. We think we're balanced, but we're not. A few weeks, a few months, actually a couple of years ago, there in the end uh Kay and I were back in England and we binged watched a a tv series how many know what binge watching is some of you going is that in the bible no Netflix or whatever and we we watched this tv series and it starred a movie star and if I shared his name you would all know the name of the person and I never will so we watched this series and it was interesting and we came back to America and I went to bed one night and I fell asleep and I dreamed a dream about this guy, this actor, Hollywood. And he's making an announcement about a fellow actor and he's saying, he's saying that she's just passed and he's giving an announcement commending her, a press release. So I dreamed that, I woke up, thought, that's kind of weird, went back to sleep, dreamed it again. Woke up, thought, that's kind of weird, went back to sleep, dreamed it again. Woke up, thought, that's kind of weird, went back. And God obviously knows that I'm slow. So I wake up, it's three o'clock in the morning, Colorado time, 10 a.m. England. I go into my study, and I'm like, what's this about? So I pray, and then I put his name in Google. Pray, Google, it's a good thing. (laughs) And his name pops up. An hour earlier, that lady, that actress, died. While I was dreaming that she'd died, she died. And he was giving a press release about how sad he was. I'm like, this is freaky. So I said to God, what do I do? and I'm, I don't hear from God lots of, God hasn't been as chatty as I thought he would be over the years <laughs> I felt like God said to me get a hold of him and tell him that I love the people that he love that he loves I'm like what I mean shouldn't I be saying like ps repent I thought how do I get a hold of him got on his Facebook page millions of people got on Twitter more millions what am I going to do hello <laughs> I'm, I'm a James Bond impersonator in Colorado. <laughs> then I remembered that a friend of mine was a friend of his before he got famous. So I sent him an email, I've had this dream, I said, are you still in touch with him? He came right back, he said, I'm seeing him for coffee next week. I said, would you tell him the dream? Tell him I don't want anything from him. Just tell him the dream. A week later, he comes back and says, he was speechless, and he just said, thank you. The guy I discovered had a Christian background, drifted away from it. And now I walk by People magazine, or whatever, and I see the guy's picture on the front cover, and I'm like, what's going on? I don't know. That's not my job. But in that moment, God stretched me beyond my comfort zone. Know what you can't do, but let God stretch you too. Well, there's two other things, real quick. One is simply this, accept the burden of the Lord again. It's light, but it's a burden. Please understand that the rest of Jesus is not about the absence of work. In Jewish thinking, work and rest are entwined and it's modeled in the Genesis 2 experience where God works and each day he says it was good and then on the seventh day he rests and he looks back and he says it's good the Jews call this manuha it is to stop and rest and celebrate and say yeah I did a good job the burden of the Lord is light but it is a burden sometimes I don't want it how about you? sometimes I don't want a purpose driven life sometimes I don't want purpose I don't want driven I just want a life but if you've been kissed by a vision of the kingdom you'll never be the same again except the burden it's light but it's a burden finally this (laughs) <laughs> we preachers, we, uh, we often say that, don't we? we? We get towards the end of the message and we say, and now, in conclusion, we do that to give you hope. <laughs> but the last thing is this. Keep having come to Jesus moments. Keep having come to Jesus moments. It's weird that, that saying, well, he had a bit of a come to Jesus moment. I never heard that before I came to America. But then I would never heard about the 4th of July. Honestly. I never heard. They didn't teach us that in history. I didn't know we had a fuss. Probably because we lost. And I never heard this phrase, yes, he had a come to Jesus moment. Isn't it interesting that when we use that phrase, it normally speaks of something negative. It's going to get a whipping. What's that about? That when you come to Jesus, there's going to be a whipping. I'm trying to wrestle in responding to this call to rest myself. This, this is the first time I've preached this message in a church. I shared a few things with our staff team a couple of weeks ago. I share this with you, my friends, as part of my journey But I'm trying to keep coming to Jesus again, or I'm trying to keep that priority in my life. But you know what that means for me? It doesn't mean I'm just trying to pray more. But I've realized that I have so looked upon prayer as hard work. And it is, would you agree? Does anybody else, your mind wanders? And you're, you're praying for the missionaries, and you're thinking fried chicken. You're even thinking, chicken fried chicken. It's, that's so confusing. Chicken fried steak, what are you thinking? And your mind wanders and, and you fall asleep. And it's difficult to converse with someone who's invisible. And so in my mind, prayer became work, discipline. But here's what I've been trying to do. And, and, and maybe you guys could come back and quietly play for us, Waylon. That would be good. That would give people hope. I love these guys, don't you? You've got a great team. I look at Waylon, Waylon there and I, I see my hairstyle of the future. And it looks so, looks so good on him as well, doesn't it? Yeah You know, I've been trying to look at prayer in a different way. And I've developed a mindset that said prayer's hard. Prayer's difficult. I've got to do it, but it's tough. Let me just share where I'm at. I've started to think of prayer as a luxury. a five star resort rather than a clinical cell like wow this is the place where I can just tell God my stuff where I can be me where I can offload it's not a clinical cell it's a glorious resort just in making that incremental shift in my thinking changing the way I pray. Let's keep having come to Jesus. Man. Would you stand with me, please? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.